The Hoosiers have their guy in Taven Jackson, but will he be QB1 next season? You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Hoosiers, your one and only daily one-stop shop for everything IU Athletics. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. I want to thank you for making us your first listen every single day. Obviously, Taven Jackson coming in was a huge deal for Indiana football, but is he going to be ready to start day one, week one next season? That was a question I posed to John Garcia, our college football recruiting expert as well as talking to him about just what Taven's game is and whether he can fit into kind of the dual threat system that Tom Allen wants to play this season. Let's throw to that conversation now. Joined now by John Garcia, the college football recruiting analyst. Uh, John, we don't often have you on because it's not often that IU fans are excited about football, but uh, that obviously changed this weekend with the commitment of Taven Jackson wasn't really a shock necessarily once he decommitted or or entered the transfer portal from Tennessee and then like literally hours later was basically in Bloomington doesn't take away from the excitement right now though we obviously know the family we know the name we've known that for quite a while in Bloomington but I want to start with just kind of learning more about the player that Taven is can you just give us kind of a scouting report on or what the scouting report was for him coming out of high school well, yeah, look, multiple time state champion, uh, of course, in the state of Indiana, had the baseball pedigree as well. And it really shows up in the overall arm talent. I mean, I think that's where this evaluation begins, Jacob. It, it's the pure juice that Taven's got uh, in his right arm. He can push it with ease down the field. The mechanics are good uh, when, when he's right, stepping in the pocket, stepping into his throws. Uh, that thing comes out about as classic as you'd want. Three-quarter release with with really nice fluidity, which, again, pushes into that baseball background a little bit. But what makes him so intriguing is that when he's off script, outside the pocket, on the move, he can start to do a lot of these modern things that, that get you excited about the possibilities at the position. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes gets credit for all of these new age arm angles and an ability outside the pocket, especially when baseball is factored in, but Taven can do a lot of those same things. He's a little bit longer and leaner of a prospect. So it enables him to really put all of his momentum into that right arm with relative ease. Uh, He can drop the arm angle. He can absolutely take those chances outside the pocket. And of course, that also comes with athleticism. He can really move uh, with, with his uh, body control, uh, can run the ball. I, I think you could design runs for him. So more of a conventional dual threat. Um, now, again, he's battled some some injury issues, had that broken collarbone last year or this past year at Tennessee. Um, but I, I just got off the phone with a source in Knoxville, and they said, look, before that point, there was a sense that, after the Hendon Hooker era started to wrap up, that Taven Jackson was going to have a shot. Even though Joe Milton is bigger, has been there longer, has already gained some of that starting experience, there was a plan, at least initially, to get Jackson more of the mop-up duty reps this year in order to help him propel forward and compete in the spring. Of course, then Tennessee went out and got Nico Iamaliava. So naturally, he kind of got over-recruited to a degree at the highest level at Tennessee, 
but it doesn't take away from his ability. I, I think if you if you subtract the collarbone injury in particular, now you're talking about another guy with SEC experience who maybe plays three or four games. Uh, so so that growth was stunted, but you're still going off of that high school evaluation. There's a lot to like here. A lot of untapped potential um, now that he is focused on football really for the first time in his life that combined with the familiarity of coming back home to Indiana has got to feel pretty exciting for him uh, he, he's a chip on your shoulder uh, gritty type of kid anyway so I think this emphasizes a lot of those high-end qualities that he already brings to the table so like any other newcomer it's more about the transition uh, the assimilation how well do you grasp uh, that offensive scheme that's going to be, you know, a little bit more wide open uh, at Indiana, as, mm-hmm. as far as I understand. And, and that's really where he fits. This is a quintessential modern quarterback with great high school experience, dual threat ability, and untapped arm potential that will help you push the ball to all three levels, whether he's in the pocket or outside. And it, it's kind of the outside the pocket, that that athleticism part that really is where it makes sense for Indiana. Tom Allen talked at the end of the season about wanting more of a dual threat quarterback. And and that's the type of offense him and Walt Bell want to run. It's probably what led to Connor Bazelak and Jack Tuttle transferring out. I mean, it's what led to them not playing at the end of the season. We saw it with Dexter Williams. We saw an extreme version of it, even in that Michigan state win where they only threw the ball seven times. I don't think it's going to be that extreme with, with Taven, but right. they want to do a lot of run pass options. They want to do a lot of just straight options. And, and I mean, to be frank, it, they want to have someone that can scramble in the backfield when there there's been as much pressure as there has been. It sounds like he's going to be that type of guy though. hundred percent. I mean, he did it throughout his high school career, again, multiple state championships to his name there. And then again, look at the Tennessee offense this past year. Not only do they demand a lot of movement from the quarterback position, but they put a lot on the quarterback's plate mentally, a lot of RPO, a lot of quick game, a lot of control afforded to the quarterback position. So even though again, it was cut short by injury, that, that assimilation to Tennessee, I think proves huge for a guy like, like Taven Jackson, who again is now able to focus on football, really for the first time, football exclusively for the first time. So all of that should factor in well to what Indiana wants to do. Walt Bell, you know, young, very well liked by by players that he is bringing up and and coordinating offensively uh, in real time. So I think that relationship uh, will have to start to sync and align as as soon as possible. But, yeah, I think he's got a whole lot of upside for Indiana and and is going to remind folks of Michael Penix. I mean, I don't know. That, how that perception sits right now, but when it was good, it was really good. And I think that's that's the target. That is where if everything clicks, you could start to see that that type of run eventually, in my opinion, from Taven Jackson. Penix is beloved at Indiana. He okay, is he should throwing be. that name that around it is a great comparison. That is that is a, a great starting point. There's obviously a lot that's going to go into the decision of who is the starting quarterback next season. Dexter Williams' injury status is very much up in the air. It it happened the last game of the season. It's a very serious injury. IU's roster right now has four quarterbacks on it. Uh, We were talking about that before we went on air. There's there's obviously a certain amount of projection as well, what uh, Taven did last season in Tennessee and what he learned there. But do you think he's someone that – I mean, you talked about him maybe being the quarterback next season for Tennessee – is he going to be ready to step in and be a starting quarterback day one for Indiana? 
Yeah, I think so. You know, he's finally healthy. Uh, there was he was able to participate in all those Tennessee bowl practices. I was told again today that he was ready to go for the game. They kind of elected to be conservative and, and hold him out uh, against Clemson there, but he's he's ready to go from a physical standpoint, and that's really what what everybody's been waiting for in his camp. So I think that combined with the ability to get there in the spring and get all those reps on the front end of this thing will not only help him to get a leg up in the competition, but maybe hold off whenever Williams comes back and whoever else maybe joins Indiana. Cause let's not be ignorant here. The portal is open for another day and then it'll open again in the spring with, with maybe some, some intriguing names, but I do think Taven will put himself in position to be the favorite by the end of, of, or maybe the middle of spring football. I think he's that talented. And obviously when you bring in a guy like this, if you're Tom Allen, this comes with expectation, right? You mentioned yeah. at the top of the show, this is the name, right? Well, we know what Big Bro is doing on the hardwood every single day. This name brings a whole lot of weight. You don't make that decision, especially with an in-state native, to bring him in without kind of playing those hypotheticals out. So I do think all things even, that's even more a reason for Taven Jackson to be the guy. Because as much as it is about winning right now and, and the present, developing for the future simultaneously is still advantageous uh, to, to a lot of these college coaches in this day and age. And I think Taven will afford you that opportunity to do both at the same time. Didn't think I could get more excited about him coming to Indiana, but I have after 10 minutes of talking here, John, let the people know where they can find you and your work at. Yeah, real simple. Uh, we're talking ball at every level on Twitter at John Garcia underscore Jr. A lot of podcasts these days as signing day uh, comes closer and the portal is is kind of our 12 month a year uh, recruiting <laughs> pool to talk about. So come follow along and talk ball with us. Awesome. Appreciate it. Hopefully there's more things to get excited about for IU football and we're able to, to have you on some more. But as always, we appreciate you coming on. Sounds good, Jacob. Thanks for having me. Big shout out to John for stopping in and getting us more excited about Taven coming into Bloomington. Big shout out to betonline.net. They're your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, whether it is pro football, whether it is college basketball, whether it's the NBA, whether it's soccer. BetOnline has you guys covered. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Shout out to you guys for making us your first listen every single day. Now, or once you're done here, you make your second listen. The Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, players, everything in between. Locked On College Basketball. It's available wherever you guys are listening or watching to us at right now. Let's talk IU women's basketball. They have a really big game tonight. IU hitting the road to face number 21, Illinois. Tip-off tonight at 8 p.m. It's at the other Assembly Hall in Champaign. Uh, BTN Plus will have the coverage for this one. It's a shame. I don't need to go on my rant again. Maybe I'll save it for later in the season. This is a really big women's basketball matchup, and the fact it's hidden on BTM Plus is unacceptable, we'll say. 
what makes this matchup even more intriguing is how close the last meeting was. The Hoosiers escaped at home. At the time, we didn't quite realize how good Illinois was. I think in a lot of ways, this was kind of their coming out game where they proved to a lot of people that this is a legitimate team in the Big Ten. In that contest, back in early December, IU won 65-61. to It was a game they had to survive late. Makaira Cook was unstoppable, 33 points, 12 of 25 shooting, and the Hoosiers struggled on the boards. Adelia McKenzie had 11 rebounds. Kendall Bostich had 14. It was McKenzie Holmes that did all the heavy lifting, especially down the stretch in that one, 23 points, uncharacteristically bad shooting night, and yet she still shot 50% from the field. Uh, Sydney Parrish had 12 points and 10 rebounds. Chloe Moore McNeil had 13 points. What's notable about that game, which we'll talk about in a bit, that was one of the very first games Indiana did not have Grace Berger. They will on, or they will this evening. So that'll be one of the big differences in this one. I say that this was kind of the coming out party for Illinois because since that game, they have been very, very good. Illinois is seven and one since that game. On the season as a whole, they are 16 and 3, 15 and 3, excuse me. Their losses were to Delaware, which was an upset. Uh, that was a holiday tournament. They lose to Indiana, and then they go 7 and 1. The one loss is to Ohio State. So two of their three losses are to top six teams in the country. That Ohio State game, they led by double digits in the second half. We're going to talk about Ohio State more next week. Ohio State is never out of the game. They can just, in a heartbeat, go on a 12-0 run, and that's what happened against Illinois. Uh, the Fighting Illini were up double digits, were in control of that game. Huge run from Ohio State to take back control of the game. They zoom ahead, and just like that, the Buckeyes end up taking that game. That's their only loss, and they have wins over Iowa in that span. Look, Iowa's really good. It seems like they actually might be a tier below or a step below IU and, Illinois, or, uh, IU and Ohio State this season. Illinois also beat a Mizzou team that was receiving votes. It's not like Indiana's been a slouch since then. Indiana has a uh, win over Maryland, which is ranked 9th to 11th, wherever you guys are, whichever poll you want to look at, or, or and Nebraska, who was also receiving votes. So very similar resumes since they last met the only kind of difference is IU was upset against Michigan state um, and Illinois lost to a very good Ohio state team. But outside of that, these are two very similar programs. And the fact is Illinois is a very legitimate team this season. Uh, they, again, we didn't know it at the time. We just kind of thought Indiana let a, a team hang around a little bit. We knew Illinois was good based on their record, what we've learned since is that they are really, really good, and they're legitimate. They're up there kind of in the race for the Big Ten title. I, I shouldn't even say it like that because as things stand, it's early on. They are squarely in the race for the Big Ten title. Uh, Ohio State is undefeated in the conference. IU and uh, Iowa, both are 6-1. and one. Illinois and Michigan and Maryland are all 5-2. and two. So IU versus Maryland was a really big game last week. IU versus Illinois on the road is a really big game this week. 
this is an IU team that is, I, I trust to go on the road and be able to win these types of games, but this is going to be a tough one. You can bet that Illinois crowd is going to be loud to welcome in a top six team. Illinois is ranked. Like this is a big moment for them. This is a home game against a ranked team that's kind of a rival. I don't really know where we stand on IU and Illinois being a rivalry. I mean, I don't know. When Eric Gordon was here, it was a rivalry, but since then, I'm not sure. But regardless, it's a, a top 10 team coming into Champaign. The, the fans are going to be rowdy. These are the types of games that if you want to win a Big Ten title, you have to come away victorious in these types of games. This is it, this is where it gets tough for Indiana with the schedule moving forward. This is where things turn up a couple notches. They play Illinois. We just mentioned Michigan. They'll play them beginning of next week. They play Ohio State. Like this next eight days, I don't want to say it's going to make or break Indiana's Big Ten like title hopes. I think it could certainly break it if they lose all three. But we're going to find out a lot about Indiana, about Illinois, about Michigan, about Ohio State across the conference. The next, you know, eight to ten days are where we're going to find out if this is going to be chaos in the big 10 again, like it was last season, or if it is going to be maybe a couple horse race, IU, Ohio state, Iowa, Illinois, something like that. But that starts tonight against Illinois. This is a really big game for the Hoosiers. We're going to be going live after the game. It'll be probably a little bit after 10 PM that we'll go live to talk about the IU game. So be sure you guys are subscribed to YouTube, follow us on Twitter to, Join us in that conversation. Let's talk a little bit more specific about why this Illinois team is good. Look at some of their top players and then look at areas Indiana could find some strengths tonight. We'll do that here in just one moment. So we obviously know, as I said, and as anybody who watched the IU-Illinois game last time, Makaira Cook is their go-to scorer. She does a lot of scoring, basically 18.3 points per game this season, shooting 44.9% from the field, 40.8% from the three point line on almost four attempts per game. So a high volume, pretty efficient score overall for the Illini. Now, what I think if all you saw was Illinois in the last game, that was a game where she had 33 points and nobody else was in double digits. It's a bit deceiving because if you look at them over the season, that's not quite how things go. They have a big three, really. Uh, Ad uh, Adelia McKenzie, 15.5 points, 6.6 rebounds per game, shooting 46.7% from the field. And then Genesis Bryant, 15.1 points, 48.3% from the field, 48.4% from the three-point line. And she shot 91 times in 16 games, or 18 games, excuse me. So she is hoisting away. So that is their kind of big three-headed monster. Then you have Kendall Bostich, who we mentioned, just barely not averaging double figures, 9.8 points, 10.2 rebounds. 64.5% from the field. She can put up the numbers. We saw also last time that McKenzie Holmes didn't have 
a ton of problems scoring against her, especially down the stretch when Illinois needed stops. They were not getting them against Holmes. I mean, IU wasn't getting them really against Cook until the very end uh, when McKenzie Holmes came up with a couple of big plays. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Hoosiers approach this one. Obviously, McKenzie Holmes potentially dominating again is going to be a big bonus if it happens. She's playing at a at the best level of her career. And like I said, it was a bit of an off night for her last time. She had 23.6 rebounds uh, and four blocks and three steals and an assist on an off night. If she can provide that, it, IU is going to take it every single time. But her kind of baseline in recent weeks has been above that. So if she can continue scoring and playing at a high level, obviously on the road, We've seen what Indiana can do against Tennessee earlier this season. A, a really impressive road performance. The difference in this game is going to be Grace Berger. She's, I would imagine, she's going to see a fair amount of time on Makaira Cook. I think it'll probably be her, maybe some Sydney Parrish and Chloe Moore McNeil. I think all three of them are probably going to rotate through there. But Grace has at times taken the top perimeter player. If, and even if she's not the one that starts on her, she is a very good defender. And IU gets to add her to the rotation. Hopefully that means she doesn't score 33 points this time around. Hopefully as well, Indiana is able to hold all the other players to low figures. Uh, Adelia McKenzie was 3 of 13 last time. Uh, Genesis Bryant was 2 of 10. So this Hoosier defense that is really, really good is going to have to be really, really good again on tonight to kind of slow down this scoring attack that has been pretty solid for Illinois this season. They're averaging 80.7 points per game. Indiana gives up far, far fewer than that uh, defensively per game. So we'll see which side comes out ahead. But I have plenty of faith in Indiana showing up on the road as they have already this season. You also have Yarden Garzon, who played in the last game, but was 4 of 12, uh, 9 points, had 3 rebounds, 3 assists, but 3 fouls and 2 turnovers. Wasn't the greatest game from her, but she is another one that is riding high coming into this. She played really well last week, uh, and she was named Big Ten Freshman of the Week, and the United States Basketball Writers Association, Tamika Catchings National Freshman of the Week. That is a huge mouthful, but she was the National Freshman of the Week. So she is playing incredibly well right now. She has more kind of reps and, and game time under her belt. That was one of her first Big Ten games. So we'll see how that goes. Obviously, everybody's kind of slotted into different places with Grace Berger in there. I can't, I mean, I can't overstate how much of a difference that alone is going to make. And we've seen it this season, how much she helps calm things down. That's what you want when you're on the road in a Big Ten game and what I assume is going to be a pretty loud envi environment tonight. So I'm confident in the Hoosiers. They've done this before, but this is the start of a big test. And this is a talented Illinois team that is capable of taking on these top dogs. They've beaten Iowa. They had Ohio State down double digits. I would say as well, 
playing IU as well as they did the first time around is going to have them on high alert. So there will be no sneaking up on the Hoosiers this time, which maybe they were able to do in the first game. IU is in no way overlooking them at this point. So this should be a really fun matchup. BTN Plus, 8 p.m. We'll be live after the game sometime a little after 10 o'clock, most likely. Be sure you guys are here to join in on that conversation. Thanks again for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back tomorrow to recap that game, preview the men's game on tomorrow night as well. For your second listen, check out the brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus hear from the big name coaches, the experts, the players, everything you guys need to know across the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available wherever you're listening to us or watching us at right now. Follow us on Twitter, as I said. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and review. If you're still around, you're one of the OGs. Help us out with a rating and review real quick. It's a huge help to us, and we appreciate all the support you guys have given us. As always, though, guys, have a great Wednesday. Let's go Hoosiers and LEO.